everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Storm King's Teddy, finally with a couple of healthy hosts. How you doing, Kat? Doing better. How are you doing? Yeah, better too. Um, just been a uh, kind of a crap week for uh, my health. So um, got out and pulled a stump out of my yard and screwed up my leg, which ended up screwing up my back and overheated, all that kind of stuff. And You've been having headaches, yeah? Yeah, my head just hurts. Yeah. Well. Nothing as serious as yours. <laughs> well, um, could have been worse, and I'm back to it now. So, anyway, uh, good to finally be able to get together and do the recap for uh, this past Sunday's uh, session. Um, so, what do you got? What would you think of the session? It was good. Um, long. Another RP session, no combat, very minimal rolls. Yep. Um, itching to see some combat here in the near, near future, though. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I'm not a, I don't want, you know, nothing but combat. Um, I don't know what they call them, uh, speedballers that just combat all the time. But yeah, I could swing a sword or a mace in my case. Um, yeah. actually at the very end of, um, the last session, I think, didn't I DM you and say, I'm ready to wade into the crowd with my mace yeah. just to see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you're itching more to fight than I am because of that. Well, so, that and, and normally, normally I'm really not this bloodthirsty when, I mean, I don't mind the combat at all, but, um, I I'm third level now. <laughs> I want to see what I can do. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see yeah, what everybody can do. Yeah, that's true. I'm I'm very, very, still very curious on what subclasses everyone took. And I'm debating whether or not if I want to ask, just straight up ask people, like, as a player, what your subclasses are. Or if I'm just going to wait in anticipation and find out in-game. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more fun to find out in-game. Uh, but having said that... It, for like an uh, artificer, I, I'm not going to know because they can, they can reveal stuff in game. And I can, is that part of the base package or is that because I don't know anything about an artificer. So that's, that's very true. <laughs> um, but, uh, so yeah, but we got, um, we got a lot of good information, uh, you know, on the giants and, uh, some of the storm Lords had a, um, had a, decision kind of split the party and so we can we can talk about that but why don't, first why don't we talk about um your you used your inspiration the previous session to have a pre-existing relationship with uh palo martin right indeed i did and so um you got to find out last session what that pre-existing relationship entailed so tell us about that yep so, um, we started off the session with this. Um, so it was kind of a little slow because we were getting a little backstory that only was kind of relevant to me. But, um, my relationship with her is that I've known her since I was a child and that she and my father were dealing in steel and she and my father was her primary contact in Valinar. So, the full extent of our relationship is still unknown to me and Tabane as well is because I kind of had like an, an adjacent relationship with her. Like it wasn't um, a direct relationship. I would see her around all the time. She would interact with my character every now and then, but it wasn't really just like sit down, chat, have tea, have cookies, you know, have a dinner or whatever. It was more of like an indirect relationship. So I am looking forward to um, unraveling that truth. And and it was mentioned that um, she kind of fostered this relationship with you because you were a woman coming up kind of in a man's world as far as, um, you know, the your chosen profession. Yes. And so um, you caught a lot of shit for that, and she kind of didn't like that. Yes. Um, uh, as Teddy said, you know, I was kind of a, a girl being raised up in a man's world, so I I got a lot of um, shit thrown my way, a lot of issues um, um, just because of my gender. 
And, um, you know, Paolo Martin's also female, but yet she is like on a completely different league than what I was at the time because I was still in training. I was still a child and whatever. So she had, uh, there was, um, Teddy said I had two specific memories of her in my childhood. And one of them was during training, she took a boy that I was sparring with. She took him by the ear and threw him off to the side and she was chewing and yelling him out for dirty fighting and like, you know, all that other kind of stuff. And then afterwards, um, she took me aside and she was just like, she comforted me. She was like there for me. She was like giving me kind words. She taught me um, stuff on like, it gave me advice on strengthening my body and some fighting techniques, so, you know, so I could like even out my disadvantage with the boys and the in the war band. Yeah. Cause you and, hadn't like filled out yet to your current strength. Right. Level and that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was still just a babe. Um, but that's yeah, Lars's she, words, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that, um, visit, you know, she stayed longer. Um, she stayed like an extra two or three weeks than her initial plan. And I think that was to like, kind of, like she took an interest in me or like she was watching over me, making sure, you know, like I was taking things, what she said to heart or she was making sure I was doing fine or something. I like, I wasn't getting bullied anymore. Um, so there was, there was that, um, one of the, one of the funniest things that Teddy told us, um, well, funny to me is that she could, talk shit to my father and joke with him and like make fun of him and get away with it. Yeah. He mentioned that, <laughs> that I, like she was the only one that you, that you ever saw able to do that. Yeah. Because I look very highly upon my adoptive father and he's, he's very military focused. He's very work focused. You know, he, I have two other brothers, half brother, step brothers. Um, but, you know, they're much older than me. They were already out in the military fighting the war and whatever. So I didn't get much interaction with them. So it was, it was as as Teddy put, he, um, my father treated me more like a soldier than uh, like a child. And so Lady Omarin, um, whenever she visited, I kind of like used her as like a female role model. Because I had my father as a male role model and as a father figure as well. But I didn't really have any prominent females in in my childhood. And so she became one of those role models or, or inspirations to look up to. And did and you ended up getting a shield as a gift from her. Was that during your childhood or when, I mean, just now or... It was like, or when you graduated, when, when did she give you the shield? That is the second memory I have of her. Um, and that was on my 18th birthday. So I was still in the, in the army, still in Valinar. And uh, as Teddy put it, like my 18th birthday was like the coming of age, yeah, age of majority. you know? Yep. Yeah. It was just like, you know, Hey, you are now, uh, uh, an adult. You're now a member of Valinar or you're a resident of Valinar and all that stuff. And, um, it's also when I got, um, my first command over, um, the other people in the military. So like all the, as Teddy put it, like as all the other kids that were bullying me and, you know, fighting dirty, they now are answering to me because I think I was like promoted to a private equivalent in the military and then soon after I came up to a, a corporal and that's when I left uh, Valinar for Sharn is when I got promoted to a corporal. But on my 18th birthday, you know, a lot happened and I got this beautifully ornate wrapped box. And he said it, Teddy said it was very wide and long, but not very deep. And it came from Lady Omarin, of course. And inside was a kite shield. And it's the same kite shield that I'm using right now in game. Um, so I thought that was really cool. 
And so your kite shield has like a spear relief in the top. Yeah, Teddy kind of threw me under the bus and decided, told me to describe my kite shield, which I wasn't really prepared for. <laughs> um, but which well, is fine. So, but the only thing that came to mind is I don't know if you're familiar with um, the video game series Dark Souls. Yeah, sure. Um, I've put in countless amount of hours in Dark Souls three. And the only thing that came to mind was saying he was when Teddy said, describe your shield was the Black Knight Great Shield. Now, I know it's not a kite shield, but that is to me like an iconic shield. And it's very like big and burly. And it's got like the the band of um, bolts around it. And it's got it beautifully engraved with like black and silver. And it's got lines going down from the top to the to to the center point. And um, I, I posted the picture of it in the discord. But I'm like, I'm like, I don't want to rip this straight out of a game. So I'm like, I just kind of want to add something different to it, you know? And then I'm like, well, what if it had like those little spear reliefs, as you call them, uh, at, towards the top, you know, like a little indent. So I'm like, okay, like that works out. So I added a little twist to it. Granted, I, I it's not original. I took it straight from Dark Souls 3. But <laughs> well, so I, yeah. Historically, uh, top top-located spear reliefs serve two purposes. First, in battle, it was so that you could use your spear or your somebody behind you could. And then also, you if you wore the shield on your back upside down, uh, you could ride. You could sit a horse. Because it, like, conformed to the horse's rump. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, right. too much history. Go ahead. <laughs> but, yeah, um, other than that... Um it came with an inscription on the top of the center. So as Teddy described, whenever I raise my shield to block, I'll see the inscription. And the inscription reads, when the direction of the winds aren't going the right way to fill your sails, remember you can always use this to paddle. And with the initials P-O for Paolo Omar. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, and all, yep. of, all, of this, all of this history and, and the gift and... I mean, yes, your character started with a shield, so it, might, it wasn't a, a you know a huge thing to make this one that shield. But um, you know, all of this history and everything for the low, low cost of one inspiration. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And um, I've been talking with Teddy outside of outside the game, and I'm not going to say anything. But I asked if like I could um, enhance the shield, like the plus one. And he said, I can do that, but he has a different idea for me. So I will be surprised. And now I'm putting a little teaser about something might go on with the shield. Hmm. All right. So, so that's uh, that. So we, um, we got finished with your, uh, your background with uh, Lady Omarin. And then we ended up. Um, kind of taking up where we left off the morning after the um, the big the great wine party <laughs> that I still say wasn't yeah. a real party, <laughs> but Portia disagrees vehemently, and um, so then um, that morning I made Prue coffee. Uh, that's getting to be a thing. We're gonna have to start a Starbucks, and uh, although I actually. We'll have to have to be Duncan. I don't like Starbucks. So, uh, and then um, I've been making food and taking it down to uh, Portia working in her workshop, and she's working on a rifle, yeah? Yes, as, as far as I know, I think she's um, starting the rifle for Prue. And so then, um, so Isidro kind of stopped me and hit on me a little bit, and uh, Keelan wasn't sure what to think. And, but, um, yeah, and you'd been, you woke up that morning and went down and trained with the Dro, right? Um, yes, I woke up with a hangover, um, because this is now my second time waking up with a hangover. Um, <laughs> well, uh, so it might've been a party for you. Yeah, <laughs> apparently <laughs> I'm, I had a little bit too much wine the night before, but, um, that's going to. I'm going to use this as to develop my character a little bit more in the future. But yes, um, I had a hangover, 
and little old Patsky, the kobold that was petrified in um, Portia's basement, um, he, he brought me a drink. And um, at first, I didn't think Patsky. I thought Gorko. So I'm like, why is Gorko coming to talk to me? And why is he giving me a drink? And then I, oh, and yeah. then it took me like two or three seconds. And I'm like, oh, this isn't Gorko at all. This is Patsky. So then I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll gladly take something from Patsky. But I'm like, I'll just take a sip of it, see what it is. I don't really know what it is. And, you know. And it playing sucked as bad as most hangover cures do. <laughs> yeah. And I was playing too cautious. And the first sip that he said, it's a hangover cure. So I'm like, okay, with now that I know what it is, I'll 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 drink the rest of it. And um, then this is when you and Prue come along and you're both talking about going to the docks. Yep. We've been talking about going down and doing some investigating at the docks because of that letter. Right. Yep. You were going to the docks and where else were you going? Oh, the tents of Grushame, right? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, because we wanted to uh, find out about, there was a uh, hill giant on the edge of town that yeah. we wanted to talk to. Yep. Yep, so you two were wanting to do that, and I'm sitting here going like, well, I haven't done my morning workout, I haven't done any training, you know, I kind of want that to be a thing that Tabane does, is like, you know, stay active, stay fit, stay sharp. So I'm like, you know, I want to go with you guys, but I haven't done any training yet, so... Like, let me just, you guys do your thing. I'm going to go train. And then by the time you come back, I'll be, I'll be ready to go. And we did and have, so, a, we did have a shipment show up at spare parts of, uh, it was a ton of fish, right? Yeah. Basically it was food for Dabshaba and, yeah. um, also a, <laughs> a mace that Teddy said still had the, uh, wholesale, uh, sticker on it. <laughs> yep. Uh, and this was all from, um, our friendly dwarf storm lord, um, uh, York Amonitu, right? Yep. And um, I, who I have not taken a shine to, of all the storm lords we've met. Um, but anyway, at least my um, my concerns of the dragon eating into our <laughs> into our earned coin uh, have, have been allayed. And that he's actually holding up that part of the bargain. So um, I'll raise my opinion of him from a uh, three on a 10 scale to a three. <laughs> I'll give him four. So, um, and then, yeah, so uh, Prue and I were talking about running down to the docks, but I didn't want Winifred to not know where we were. So we went and found... Uh, Winifred to to let him know where we were headed. Um, and then, um, where did we, did we all go out after that? Because by the time we found Winifred, you were done training and we pulled Portia out of the shop and we all, we all left, right? Yeah. I, um, I made it a, uh, a like, as uh, Winifred said, it was a team-building exercise. Um, it was essentially, like, I was going with you. Prue was, you and Prue were already ready. Portia surprisingly got out of her workshop, which I didn't think, I didn't think she was going to. Because, you know, it's top of the morning. I thought she was just going to keep on working. But she's like, you know, no, I'll come with you guys. And then I'm like, well, that just leaves Lars. So I'm like, I don't want to leave Lars out of the picture. So I'm like, let's just all go and see what happens. And Lars was working on his manuscript. Yep. And what did he ask us if we had a word that rhymed with oh, babe? With babe. Yeah. If, I should have. Why was I confused about the word? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I knew he asked us to come up with a rhyme for it. Uh, but yeah, then so then we all took off and... This is when we ended up being approached by, uh, what was the, was it an elf named Lil? L. L. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I know what you're talking about now. And, um, essentially each one of us got handed a gold note worth a hundred gold and, uh, requested for us to go see, Stormlord Wilkes, right? Yep. Yeah. So, um, and then uh, I I missed part of this. Um, 
I, I think this was actually when I had a, a sneezing attack. And so I, I had muted myself and I was, I was otherwise, uh, engaged when, um, by the time I got back to things, uh, half of you were ditching your gold notes and walking off in a huff. And I'm like, yeah, what's going on? So fill me in on that part. Um, this was after our tents of Rushime excursion. So, oh, it was um, okay. Well, we'll yeah. then we'll talk about it next, and then yeah, um, we'll we'll just skip yeah, forward juxtapose a them. Bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this um, we were we're leaving tents of Rushime, and we we're like, all right, so what do we do next? Because we got a tip from there, and I'm like, well, maybe we go over here, maybe we go over there, and then L walks up, and she's just or he he, I think it was a he. Um, uh, yeah, they, I don't remember. But anyways, L came up and they offered us, like you said, a hundred gold, uh, one, one, a gold note worth a hundred gold. Correct. I don't know why that was so hard to say, <laughs> but, um, you know, everyone was looking at it like, okay. And then I made the comment saying like, because we were heading to the, um, the red ring, which is the fighting ring where Kolos hails from and everything. Yep. And so I asked the question, I'm like, okay, so am I correct in assuming that this is, you know, like gift money so we can bet on the upcoming fight? And Elle was just like, oh, no, no, this is straight up bribe money. Oh, so Elle said it was a bribe. Yeah, Elle okay. straight up said this is a I bribe money from That's Willis. not a bribe. A bribe is, here, I'm going to give you this and you're going to look the other way while I kill somebody. Or... I mean, this is grease money at, at worst, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would have taken it, but since L said it was a bribe, I kind of felt like I had to follow one of my tenants of law for my oath. So I'm just like, I can't really accept bribes. So I handed my gold note over to you. Okay. You accepted. Okay. But back up for just a second. Yes. I understand why, why at this point people are foisting their notes off on other people, sort of. But I mean, a bribe. So somebody hands you a hundred gold and says, the only condition of you taking this is that you meet with them. That's a bribe. No, I think it was just, I think it was just like, Wilkes wants to meet you. Oh, by the way, here's a hundred, here's a hundred notes. I don't, I don't think it was just like, here's a hundred notes and come meet Wilkes. Yeah. Like your hundred, your, your hundred gold is conditional on you doing this. Right. I think it was just like, come meet Wilkes. It was to curry favor. Yeah. And by the way, here's a hundred notes on top of meeting Wilkes. But yeah, I I pawned mine off of yours. Portia took the hundred. You took the now two hundred. Um, <laughs> Winifred was like, "No, I've seen entrapment before. I'm not accepting it." Prue was just like, "Hell no, I'm not getting in bed with another Stormlord." And I think Lars said no as well. I wasn't. I didn't quite catch what he did, but yeah. I'm fairly confident he said no as well. So the only people that actually took the bribe money that I know of was all of us. It was every single one of us. We all took it and then did something with it, whether they gave it away to a passerby, whether they dropped it on the street and ground it underneath their heel. They took it. They didn't give it back to the originator. Well, I'll leave that (laughs) up for what they did, but (laughs) Whether they took it or gave it back or whatever they did, we all got a hundred notes. This is obviously a topic of debate between the parties, right? So, and and once again, I'm I mean, my my character. First of all, my character doesn't have a very high opinion of stormlords in general, uh, specifically York. I had never met this one before, but of all of them, um, seemed the most gracious, I mean, offered me money just to come meet with him. And instead of like running roughshod over me the first time we met. So, um, is he a slime ball? Yeah. Seems like it. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to marry the guy, but, uh, um, so when the three of us went to meet him, 
he has been given a brace of guards um, that basically on loan from uh, Captain Trelith, right? Trelith? And um, this particular Storm Lord is not well known for being um, competent with or... I don't know if that's the right word. He's he's kind of known for being a screw-up, but I rolled a 20 perception when I met with him. And Teddy said that it appeared that some of his incompetence was an act. That he was actually much smarter and more competent than he tried to make himself appear. That makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, he's a storm lord and he's running the docks. You got to have a little bit going on to be able to do those two things, right? Yeah. Um, so, um, so my thinking is that the more people believe that he is not capable, is just points in his favor because he's fooling them. He's more capable than he's making himself seem. So, um, but his, his offer of employment was to send our group to the lighthouse that we saw as we first came into Stormreach because he has, um, basically lost that group of guards that he was loaned and he was loaned these guards to ferret out some, um, wrongdoings in the city. And I never, did you ever get the impression that he wasn't using them in that fashion? I mean, that, that he had sent them on some kind of weird clandestine thing of his own. I, I think, and I could be totally wrong, but the way I heard what was going on is Trowleth lent, Wilkes guards to investigate whom the attackers were on Portia's shop. Right. And that somehow led to the, the lighthouse, uh, the lighthouse. And in the lighthouse, they said there was an opening that, well, it opened. There was a new opening in the lighthouse. And then since that opening, he nor Trileth has heard of this group of this group of agents or guards or right. But the, but the guards, I mean, nothing that was said, at least for me, made me believe that he wasn't using the guards for their stated purpose. I, did you get that impression? I, I don't know, man. I, this, I, I was, clueless on what was going on i mean if if now if the lighthouse had nothing to do with finding out who attacked porsche's shop and they were just there on his the storm lord's orders to do something else well then they're not being used like they were supposed to be but if they got sent there in good faith to try and do this and he just doesn't want to look bad to Traleth, Traleth, then I have absolutely no qualms about working for him. Uh, I mean, again, do I think he's a slime? Yeah. But he's going to pay me 1,200 gold and all of you guys 1,200 gold to go on a quest to retrieve guards that are basically innocent in this. They're out doing their job. But I don't think that's where the sticking point is. I think the sticking point is that the 1200 and also, um, uh, you know, like trade ra- trade rights for spare parts. And I mean, there is a lot that he's offering too much and I'm fully aware of that. So is Keelan. He's offering too much. So too good to be true. Probably is the implied thing being that we don't tell Trowleth, Captain Trowleth about his losing the brace of guards and right. I'm okay taking that deal because Trailith isn't Trailith isn't the one that's hiring us. He is. And if he says, these are the conditions of your employment that you don't 
embarrass me to this captain. I mean, honestly, I think if we find these people alive, they're going to do that embarrassment for us. We're not going to have to. They'll go right back to their captain and say, this is what happened and he screwed up or didn't screw up, whatever the case may be. We wouldn't have to say a word and then we still get paid. It increases our it increases our uh, notoriety in the city, so we're more likely to get more jobs. We get well paid, and so I, I just don't see it. I don't see a downside to this. Now, if we go on this quest and we find that yes, there was malice here, that this storm lord sent these people to do something that was outside the scope of what they were lent to him for and and we're just like um man that's pretty screwed up trowel needs to know about that i have no problem telling and forfeiting the and forfeiting the money but why not try for the money first and then if we don't find any evidence of wrongdoing let the cards fall where they want that's my that's my two copper yeah um i'm not good with politics I was still writing. Nobody's good at my, politics. <laughs> I was still writing high off of my um, backstory with Paolo Amarin. But yeah, uh, I think I think it's more beneficial for us to help him, um, whether it's in good faith or what, because he not only offered us gold trade routes to spare parts, um, a down payment on information on our lead, which will bounce back to um he even said he offered his friendship and i don't know about you but i can do math and if we take this job and everything goes right that's four or five storm lords will be on good graces with right yeah so i think that alone even though he is kind of sleamy and slimy yeah i still think just being on his good side alone is better for us than if we just say the with the other half of the party that um didn't go meet him went to go meet Captain Trowleth and you know find our lead in there and talk with her she essentially offered us the same well she didn't offer no, us the same job she, she just did. wanted information on that group she, she lent yeah and she's trying to get that information from the storm lord which is why this is so time sensitive that he's he's willing to pay all his money to get it done right now and get it done quietly because he doesn't want to seem incompetent or more incompetent to the captain. So, okay. I have no problem with fostering. First of all, once again, because I think that captain Traileth would be, um, or Traileth, I never get the inflection, right? So I think that the captain would be smart to actually view him in a more competent light anyway, because I think that he's fooling people with this incompetent act. So uh, I think this, even if he gets, if we get the people back and say, all right, here they are that, and uh, the captain's opinion goes up of him. eh, He's not as incompetent as I thought. She's closer to the correct, to the truth of the matter. That's what I think. So um, I I think it kind of fixes that dynamic is, doesn't fix it, but, because she's probably got years of experience of him being incompetent to, um, you know, look at, look at as well. So anyway, I, um, so yes, I understand all of the group's distaste for a working with the storm Lords at all and B working with someone who, uh, throws money around at them as a quote unquote bribe. I, I, once again, I think it's grease money at worst, but okay. Um, but here's, here's the implied threat that I got out of this. So we were offered all of this money. Portia was offered these contracts that will make, um, trade and, you know, uh, raw materials and that sort of thing for spare parts, much easier to get. This guy's in charge of the docks. What if we start having COVID level, uh, supply chain issues getting to spare parts if we don't do this job for him. Right. What if his disfavor, um, 
you know, extends to, okay, hey, I, I just paid all of you 100 gold to come see me. Only three of you did. The rest of you owe me at least 100 gold and, and an apology. I mean, he's a storm lord. Do you think Yorick would be bashful about saying something like that? No. <laughs> I mean, so, um, I mean, three of us met our obligation. We, or it, it was an obligation unless we returned the note. Here's 100. Go see this storm lord. Okay, we did. Some didn't. So three of us met that unspoken obligation. At the very least, the uh, I, I think the other three should have showed up and thrown the note right back in his face and said, no, thank you, and stormed out. I, I just, the one thing that baffles me is he's the fifth and final Storm Lord that we've met. We've met all the other Storm Lords, and granted, I don't know if it's just because we met them early and we didn't really know what we were, our, like, how the party felt about them or anything, but this has been the only Storm Lord, except maybe aside from Yorick, where at least half of the party just went outright no. Like, I'm not doing anything with this guy. I'm not talking to him. I'm not going to see him. I'm not going to do any work for him whatsoever. Whereas the other Storm Lords is like, okay, we'll hear you out, or we'll do this job for you, or whatever. And just, that's kind of what has baffled me, is just like, you're not even going to hear him out. Well, and and tell me, other than the, um, other than the condition of keeping our traps shut, how is this? How is this quest any different than our first one? We went in to find uh, investigators who had disappeared, and we came back with Steel Jack still alive. And you know, after after a successful dungeon delve, I I think this is very much the same. There's investigators that were on the job and they've gone missing. We need to go find them, and that's hey. kind of what we do. You know, now that you've mentioned that, it's very true. I mean, the only difference between this job and the first job is instead of mistaken identities, we were giving money. We were given money. That's right. We seized we seized on mistaken identities to get the first job, and in this case, it's um, it's the money. And and I also want to I also want to clarify. I liked how everybody role played this because everybody's reaction was completely different. And it, so it was, it was really well done. I, I mean, I enjoyed the entire, the entire bit and I'm still enjoying it, but this is, uh, so this is wind's musings on this. Um, Keelan shares a lot of this obviously. Um, but, um, she's not going to, she's not going to do something that she sees or finds to be overtly evil or, um, you know, that would have endangered these soldiers' lives that that would rub her the wrong way. And she would definitely have no problem at that point going to the captain and saying, Hey, Hey, we took this job in good faith and this is what we found out. And we think you ought to know, got no problem with that. But if we take the job and we don't find that, I, okay, I shut up and go to the next job. Yeah. That's, 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 I mean, just me. I'm just, I'm just in favor for doing the job. Um, not just to get the hush money or to get paid, but I, I think it's a huge win alone to just be on his good gracious. Yeah. I I mean, having, having another storm Lord that, um, sees us as a valuable resource that can be used for further, you know, employment, further missions, you know, and maybe this isn't the storm Lord that we want to work for. But I mean, at the end of the day, if we, if we solve this issue between the giants and, and the little folk, we've worked for all the storm Lords because that's what they all want. Well, I'm guessing unless one or more of them is in on this whole thing, <laughs> I'm, right. I, I'm assuming that not to be the case. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, getting paid is nice. I mean, obviously, I wanted to take that hundred notes, but as, as 
I, 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 I couldn't. I would have taken everybody's. <laughs> yeah. Because I was going to go needed, see what the guy wanted. You needed it after that myth roll. I, I was going to go see the guy if he hadn't paid me. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a bonus. Yeah. So, I like I said, I, I think just getting on his good side, having four of the five Storm Lords in favor of us is... And also not slipping in the drool coming out of Porsche's mouth um, over these trade contracts. Right. I mean, it, it benefits... I think it benefits the party more than it doesn't benefit the party. I mean, yes, are we doing work for a sleazy slime lord? Yeah. <laughs> slime when, lord. Let's start calling lord. him that. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> I can't believe I said slime lord and not storm lord. <laughs> I think yes. that's more appropriate. If if Keelan finds out you said that, that's going to be her new name. <laughs> then I better not let it slip again. <laughs> uh, but, okay, but yeah, so I mean, uh, so um, unless you have uh, any other revelations on that, let's go uh, back or forward slash back and talk about Greybeard. Yep. So. Um, this was after we gathered everyone, after my training, after your guys's um, escapade to go get uh, Winifred or a mask, depending on which guys he's in. I think he's staying in Winifred for our benefit more than his benefit. That's um, good. I like Winifred. Yeah. <laughs> and Winifred's I mean, been awesome. Winifred is a great character. Um, I got nothing wrong with him, but it, it seems like he's a little bit more snippy as of late well i mean he's i mean to be fair he's had some fairly traumatic things happen yeah that's that's true he hasn't he hasn't trusted anybody for a long time he's trusted us with a big secret of his and then immediately after we were supposed to start talking about that found a shape-shifting piece of furniture that he has i'm i'm still guessing at this point does not like has a fear of or whatever and then met uh, Isidro, who absolutely knew he was a changeling. Yeah. So he's been. Uh, so Winifred's been having to stay away. And so, anyway, but yeah. yeah. I, I, so yeah, I guess if that kind of stuff happened to somebody, I could see being a little snippy. Yeah, and I've been meaning to get some at least one-on-one time in game or in the fireside chat with him. Because I feel like I um, handled his truth revelation in, in not a great way. Um, I wasn't saying I was rejecting him, but I just kind of like, I felt like I brushed it aside when that was something big. And I, I didn't mean it for it to be like that. So I've been trying to find an opportunity to get some one-on-one with him and explain my situation. But that's water under the bridge of right now. Um, so. We're going to the tents of Rushime to as a party, yep. all of us. Um, team building exercise, yay, hooray! Um, and we're going to meet um, Greybeard or Galrenak. also known as Galrenak. Yes, yep. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he's kind of like this wise old friendly sage, you know, running a soup kitchen. Dishing out. He reminds me of Treebeard in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I kind of got that vibe too. Um, yeah, and he runs a soup a, kitchen. Yeah, you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a hill giant. Um, so he's got some knowledge, and he's kind of lower on the on the giant. What was it called? The the spectrum. Or yeah. The, so there's like a hierarchy of, um, you know. Basically, um, we got educated in the history between, you know, when the giants were called Titans and they embodied all of the different properties of all the different giants. And then when the, um, dragons cast them down, um, the, those properties were split into six different clans and so basically the, uh, the different beliefs were transformed into the, the different giants that we, our characters can see today. And, uh, from the least of them 
to the greatest of them were the Hill and Junk Giants, and then um, which is they're basically the same giant from different biomes was the way that Teddy described it. Then the Frost Giants, which I actually thought were higher up in in the in this hierarchy, but um, then um, Stone Giants, Fire Giants, Cloud Giants, and then Storm Giants are still at the top, and um, and the murdered queen was a storm giant we found out yeah so and the the word i was looking for is called the ordering the ordering yeah ordering yes and i think you were correct i think stone giants were higher in the ordering but i think in this current iteration they're lower because i i think it was implied that it gets shaken up a lot, but it's okay. always been like storm giants were always at the top. Uh, well, yeah, I, storm giants, I think, always were at the top. Uh, but I, I actually thought frost giants were like right below fire giants for some reason. And but I, like I said, I I haven't run uh, a giant rich module since against the giants, and that's been I don't know, decade and a half ago. So it's been a while since I looked into this stuff at all. Um, but uh, I guess I, I always thought of the Frost Giants as tougher because they were, like, from the Arctic North and, you know, um, like warrior types, um, very Nordic in, in appearance. Yeah. Um, so, um, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we found out from um, Galranak. Yeah, you basically asked um, the events of what started the whole giant attack on Stormreach, and that was the assassination of um, Queen Neri and the disappearance of King Hecaton and all that. So we got a lot of background um, story information on that, um, which I don't see a need to go into because that's a lot. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, if if people want us to, we can. But uh, as of right now, we're just kind of—I'm just going to gloss over it. Um, we just got some background information of Zendrick and the Giants and all the the assassination and everything, and um, it was a good half hour, forty-five minutes of backstory. And the most important thing that we got out of that was a giant ass bowl of soup. Hey, <laughs> yeah, which I was expecting. <laughs> it it was the. Uh, um, it was going to have some properties to it, like, you know, maybe like roll a constitution saving throw or, you know, you're now in touch with nature for the next hour or something. I don't know. I was expecting some of that soup to have some properties, but alas, it didn't. Uh, it was described but, um, as earthy, so probably had dirt in it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> other than that, we pretty much got some other information from him. Uh, I asked him about um, um, Gorodon, the the fire giant that we met at the very very beginning, the first NPC we met, and the um, and and the fire giant that encountered me the previous session ago in um, Omar and Steelworks. I asked about him as a guide, yep, and he pretty much um, warned us off. Golrenek was just like, yeah, he's he's only in it for himself. Like, don't put him behind you. Like, he he is a great warrior, but that's pretty much all he is. Um, so that kind of, I mean, we're in the in the grand arc and the whole story of everything. We eventually need a guide. So we're doing these other dungeon dwells and everything, but essentially, one day or another we're going to need a guide sooner or later. So that's kind of where I was I was digging into is trying to find us a guide for the future. Um and he uh Golrenak himself said he would also be a guide, but we needed to keep doing good things and then he might yeah, be our, a guide for us. We we didn't have a strong enough reputation yet. Yeah. Um the funny thing is, is when this happened, Portia was writing notes and I just so happened to have her notes up as she was writing them. And in here, in all caps, she has um, that Gordon is also an option for a guide, 
though he doesn't quite trust us enough yet to offer himself. And then in all caps, it says, unless we would like to convert to his religion. <laughs> uh, that's probably not an option for Keelan. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> but um, a- after all that, he then did offer a suggestion of another frost giant um, by the name of Harshnag. And this was the tip I was talking about earlier. Um yeah, that, that we got that um, the uh, Stormlord Wilkes was going to look into to see if he could find this frost giant for us. Yep, and um, so all we have is the name, and that's pretty much literally all we have is just his name, and that he's good with uh, he's got a soft spot for a small folk. Um, I don't know about you. But I don't know if giants are the only guides around, but I don't know if I want to have a giant as a guide. I feel like if we're trying to be stealthy or anything, uh, a giant might stick out like a store thumb. Uh, well, the other uh, you know, inhabitants here are the dragons. Maybe we already have a guide living with us. Nobody's asked. Yeah. Dabshaba could be it. Um, yeah, that's but point. you know, Dub Shop is young. Don't know if they know their way around or you know anything like that. So, but it might not hurt to ask. Yeah, the only so far... the only downside is if we run across giants, giants and dragons, you know, get along not at all. So, <laughs> what's that going to do as a first impression? Yeah, I mean, as far as we know, the only guides we've been suggested are the three um i'm still uncertain if tick tick's a guide or not um but we've got Golranak, gorodon and harshnag as our three guides and we've already kind of crossed out gorodon well at least i have i don't know about the rest of the party well um okay what else um, other than after that being approached by L that I think that about covers everything. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think if there was anything else that was, uh, vital to go over. Uh, well, I didn't have anything down in my notes anyway. So anything else in Porsches? Uh, no, not really. All right. Well, nothing that we haven't already covered. Well, man, uh, glad you're feeling better and, um, finally got a chance to carve this out of our week. And, um, so you're going to have to take some detailed notes for the next podcast because I am very likely going to have to miss next session. Yep. So, um, and I'm gonna have to take double notes. Yeah. Because we got we got um, our other campaign of. Oh yeah, that's right. So I'm I'm definitely missing that. So, well, Cat, I appreciate it, man, and I uh, hope you get to continue to feeling better. And we'll see you next time. All right. Yep. Same goes to you. Thanks. All right. Talk to you later, everybody.